Welcome back to the Just Be Your Bad Self podcast, where you are enough just the way you are. I'm your host, Kimber Dutton, a recovering people pleaser and perfectionist who is on a mission to normalize the human experience in all of its messy imperfection. Join me as I explore what it means to feel worthy of love, to live wholeheartedly, and to lead an authentic life. I'm excited to announce that my very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, has become a new sponsor to the show. Check out the podcast discount link in my show notes and stay tuned for why I love using Zen for all my podcast recording needs. Join me today as I talk with Andrea Neely, a queer hairstylist specializing in transition haircuts, about what she does and why she does it. Okay. Thank you so much, Andrea, for coming and being on my podcast today. You are so welcome. I'm I'm excited and honored. <laughs> so really quick, give us like the lowdown. Who are you? What do you do? What's your what's your deal? I am Andrea and I am a hairstylist. I do hair. I love connecting with humans. I love hearing people's stories. I do a lot of work with the LGBTQ plus community, and I just love creating a space for any human to come and sit in my chair and share who they are, whatever that is, whether they're going through big changes in their lives or they're physically like so many changes I get to be a part of. So I get to do a lot of transition haircuts. I just not only like physically or with gender, but like in life too. So I, I love that you found that niche. I didn't even know that was like a niche. It wouldn't have occurred to me that that would be a niche that needed to be filled. How did you find mm -hmm. it? How did you get into this? So being like a member of the queer community and then having friends like oh I'm so happy you're doing hair now because then I could just come and hang out with my friend and get my hair done and I don't have to worry if they're like gay affirming or accepting or I don't have to worry like walking into a barber shop am I going to be accepted because I want like a more of a masculine haircut or going into a salon and I'm wanting to transition into like a female haircut or grow out my hair or like just to have that space where you will be accepted and understood for whatever you're doing in your life and accepted. And like some of these big changes when little kids come in and they want to cut off all their hair and their mom's just like tears rolling down their face because they get to see their baby for the first time how they want to present like those are big moments not only in the kid's life or in the human's life that's in my chair watching all of their hair fall to the floor and just introducing them to themselves for the first time and being able to emotionally hold space for that I love it I'm I love it every single day that I get to do my job and the heart that I get to touch yeah you do a lot more than just cut hair obviously right how how do you hold that space for people? What does that look like when someone comes in for a transition haircut? So I 
have it on my schedule like a transition haircut and whether it's just like somebody just coming in and they're like going through a divorce or a breakup or getting ready to have a baby or like big moments in their life where I'm going to be then I it's an hour and a half so I like block out my space and my time because I know it's not only going to be just a haircut like we might have to pause for tears we might have to pause for explanation and understanding and walking through and just like holding space and I think during the pandemic and everything being able to slow down with myself and recognize like conversational health is so important to be able to hold space for these humans that were only talking to the people in the four walls of their home I was like, ooh, I need to make sure that I have the capacity to have conversations, even if they are emotionally heavy or emotionally light. But, like, holding space for emotion is what I try to practice and understand and just hold space for. Yeah. I mean, you told me before we started this call, you talk for a living, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I talk for a living. Like, I, I, doing hair is like the bonus, but I basically, yeah, I talk. <laughs> for how, a living. how long have you been doing this? I've been doing hair for about a year now. No, just kidding, like 10 years. <laughs> I was going to say, there's <laughs> like no way. Year. I've seen your work and you're so good at what you do. <laughs> I'm like, why a year? No, I've been doing hair for about 10 years. But I've basically been doing hair my whole life, like from my best friends to my sisters to anybody, like, feel like getting to do like my best friend's hair from like when I was 12. I'm like, this reminds me like when we were kids, because it's like, but for real, it seems like I just barely started. (laughs) And then I have those moments like, this is what I do for a living. This is what I do. Like, this is what I do. This is what pays my bills. Like, I get to hang out with the coolest humans. And, like, that's what pays my bills. It's, um, I work at the Desert Lounge downtown St. George. And I work with Evan Stowers. He's created a really cool space. And so we have two little salons right, right next door to each other. And I run the smaller space. And we have a handful of stylists over there. So we just rock and roll and do lots of hair and lots of fun and that's also like one of my favorite parts about doing hair is like the people I get to do hair with it's just it's so it's so fun I love this industry because it's basically like yeah we're doing hair and yeah it's fun and creative but like the humans that I get to surround myself with and interact with is just it's it's so good. <laughs> Are you comfortable sharing your own story of transition? Like my coming out story? Yeah. Okay. So I kind of grew up in a little bit of a bubble. <laughs> so like a little bit of a backstory on me. I am a homeschool play kid. And <laughs> I know, right? I homeschooled. I'm a homeschool kid, but not a homeschool plague kid. So you got me beat. <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da. And so, like, I grew up on a farm in California, and we, like, worked, like, raising chickens and bees and making honey. We, like, all worked together with, like, a tight-knit hub. And then we moved to Utah to Cedar City when I was, like, 11. And then kind of like a country bumpkin, like, derp, derp, derp. So I didn't even realize that I liked girls until I met my ex-wife. 
and I was 20. And I was like, what is this? Am I just like crushing or am I intrigued or like what? And I was like kind of confused. I was only really exposed to like one gay person in my life. And it was like one of my best friend's dad. And I was like, oh, I knew what it was, but I like didn't really think anything about it. And so I, yeah, I met my ex-wife at work and I was just like, what is this about? And then we just started hanging out. And then I was like, oh, do, do I like, I think she's cool, but like, am I like liking her, liking her? And so I just had to like sit with myself and have lots of questions and then just like talking to her about it and then just starting to hang out. And then we got together and we were together for 10 years. And so I'm like, you, okay, yeah. Were you religious when you met her or did you kind of exited that life? So like we were raised... It was like, I guess, an independent polygamist. So my parents, they were LDS when I was little, like when I was five, and then they left the church. And so my parents took on a second wife when I was five, but it wasn't like an organized religion. So it wasn't like we had to leave or da-da-da-da-da. It was just like we were normal people. We just had more moms. So I'm curious how your parents (laughs) responded then because— they did something. I mean, they left the religion to go kind of live their life that they wanted to live. So were they cool uh-huh. with it or was it not so a great... like, when I came out to my mom, because my parents were divorced or are divorced, and I came out to my mom before my dad. And my mom was accepting and she told me that my grandpa, when she graduated from high school, my grandpa left my grandma for a man. And I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't I didn't even know this. And I remember going to my grandpa's house when we were little and him having a roommate. But I didn't even know because back then nobody talked about it. And so and then when I came out to my dad, I might have not approached it the best way because he was always like, there's no man good enough for my daughter. And then I was like, hey, dad, remember how you said there's no man good enough for your daughter? Like, I kind of like a girl. And he was like, what? And <laughs> and he. He he had a harder time with it, and I think with different beliefs, and even though, like, we weren't religious, like, he still had his core beliefs and his core values of, like, what he thought what was right or wrong, and so he didn't talk to me for three years, which was a little bit like, uh, because I'm the oldest girl, I have lots of siblings younger than me that were like my babies that I wasn't able to be a part of. And it was just like, but I took those three years to like live my life. And then finally I talked to my dad and I told him, I said, if I am going to hell or whatever hell you believe in, because I get to live this life, how I want to live it, that I get to experience love and peace, and joy, and happiness right now for me, then it's worth it. It's worth it. And after that, he just hugged me, and he was like, it was kind of like we had this nonverbal understanding of like, okay, we can move forward from this. Like, I love you and your lifestyle that you got to choose to live, and I want the same and so and then we've had conversations since then and he's like I 
want all of my kids to understand that they have a safe space to land. And I don't think he would have had that without that experience. And then my younger sister, her partner is trans. And I think that wouldn't have been as easy to digest if it wasn't for me and my experience. So. Wow. Yeah. That was like my coming out story. It's kind of like, whoa. And then I think because I grew up in such a bubble and such a like not really understanding or not being able to connect to like my sexuality or like attraction. Really? It was like, eh, boys are bad. You're not supposed to do that till you're married. Da 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 da. So I was just like, okay. I was just kind of like bebopping around in my happy joy joy little world. And then I was like, oh. Yeah, this makes a lot of sense. I just heard so many stories lately, I feel like, of people that don't discover that till like 20s, you know, you're pretty old, like not old, old, but yeah, old enough that you would have thought maybe you would have had some inklings before that. But there are some people that are like 30s, 40s, 50s figuring this out because the permission in our culture just hasn't been there. And in, and in this little mm-hmm. Utah bubble, even less so. Right. Yes. Yes. And so, like, I do a lot of work within Circle. I'm one of their first queer board members, which I'm very proud to be. And seeing these young kids come into this home, and one minute they come in and their name is Robin, and the second minute their name is Susie or Bob or whatever. And it's just like they get the space to try on and, like, does this fit? Yes, no. I want to be non-binary. Today, I want to be a boy. Today, I want to be a girl. Or, like, figuring out that space to, like, figure out their identity and their sexuality. And I was like, wow. I think it was, like, not even five years ago that I had the conversation and realized, like, how you identify and your sexuality are two different things. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. But just now and to like even think like my grandpa which was two generations ago couldn't live the life he wanted to live and now I could get married to the person that I love if I want to I could walk down the street holding hands and not be fearful and that's only two generations later and just like how much we have grown like we have a long way to go but I'm just like so proud. And when I get to see these young kids come in and out of the in-circle house, I'm just so thankful that there's space for that. Because who would I have been if those parts would have been encouraged at a younger age? I don't know. Can you talk to us a little bit more about Circle? I, I don't know much about it. I've only heard about it a couple times. And so I'm sure a lot of my listeners have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. So in-circle is a nonprofit that started in Provo. And it's a cute little house for the LGBTQ plus community, for the queer community, for allies, for parents. They have therapists, they have resources, they have friendship circles. They just it's just a safe space to come and connect, to encircle love, to no sides, choose love kind of thing. And our house 
in St. George was the third house. It's a four-year-old nonprofit, and we're just like, we're going all over. (laughs) And so it feels really good to be a part of something so needed from kids that are like wanting to connect with other kids that look like them. For adults that are like, I didn't come out till I was 40, whether it's parents that their kids came out 20 years ago and because of their religion, they didn't handle it the greatest. But now they have community and space to have conversations to navigate that now to want to educate themselves and do better. So it's just a space of love and acceptance. One of the most common responses I get from people who listen to my podcast is, how long have you been doing this? It sounds so professional, like you've been doing it for years. I'm actually very new in the podcasting world, and I record all my episodes remotely with my laptop and mic balanced on a stool in the corner of my bedroom, but I do have a secret that I'm ready to reveal. Zencaster. Zencaster is an all-in-one podcast production suite that gives me studio-quality audio without needing all the technical know-how. And if you've ever thought about starting your own podcast, I can't recommend it highly enough. Get started today by using promo code JUSTBEYOURBADSELF, no spaces, for 30% off your first three months. A couple of things that you've talked about just keep reminding me of this post I saw on Facebook. You were talking about watching these kids that go into Encircle and then their names change and they're they're exploring different things. And I have a, a gay friend who's married to a man, but is still surprisingly conservative, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And this post was so fascinating because he said something about how he felt like people we're still acting like homosexuality was a choice and that he kind of implied that that was kind of archaic thinking. And then what, when it got really fascinating was in the comments section when people were talking about, well, in the high schools right now, people are just like, kids are just exploring like, am I gay? Am I straight? Am I, you know? And, and I thought, we've come such, like you said, in just a couple of generations, we've come such a long way from like homosexuality is a sin, a a sin or b it's just not real and you're choosing sin right mm-hmm. to then being like oh it's not a choice like people can't help but be this way and so you know you've got to love them through it still kind of like sin but you know it's not it's like the burden that people have to bear if they're born queer and then now <laughs> it's like no it's okay if people ch- like people should have the chance to explore this right like mm-hmm. it should be allowed to be a choice. It should, and people don't just come in like knowing their sexuality. And it should be something that people have space to explore and try different things on and like find what fits. Yeah. Cause it's like a pair of shoes or like your hair color. You don't know that you love being this fabulous redhead until you like try it. Like you never know like what's going to fit and what's going to land and it can. And it could change and it could evolve. And like, it's such a spectrum and it could go back and forth and it's so fluid. And I think so many people want to like put it in a box. So many people want to put it in a box and put it on a shelf in the closet and close that door and pretend like it isn't there. But it's like eh, that it doesn't work anymore. So many people with like the Internet (laughs) and 
the apps that are out these days, like watching people discover and transition and experience themselves and the joy and the happiness, even though it's like heartache sometimes when you have to lose yourself over your family, over your friends, over your whole community, like sometimes that's really hard. Sometimes like you have to leave all of that behind to discover this and to live this. But then once you do, then you get to find your people. You get to find your people that align and know how to hold space and welcome you. You get to pick your family, like your chosen family, like the the humans that build up the foundation of you. But it's scary when you think your foundation or what it used to be to like get rid of all of that and to rebuild it just because you want to live the life that feels comfortable to you is like one of the scariest things but one of the most empowering things too yeah definitely i i don't identify as queer but i find myself so attracted to the queer community because of what you're talking about i love authenticity and you don't find people that are more authentic than people who have gone through the heartbreak and the the transformation that coming out brings because so many mm-hmm. of you have had to just start from the ground up and rebuild your life the way you want it to be. And I think it's just the most beautiful example for everybody about, and that's why I call this podcast, like, just be your bad self. Because mm-hmm. the the only way to be authentic is to let go of what's going to please everybody else and really get down to the nitty gritty of like, what do I like? What makes me happy? And to kind of like, say screw it to everybody else because it's not their life like this is your Mm -hmm. life and so I find like sometimes I almost feel like I'm doing like a queer podcast (laughs) because so many of the guests that I find that I'm like inviting to tell their stories are Mm -hmm. trans or bi or gay or lesbian and I think it's because they just do such a beautiful job of being examples of authenticity for the rest of us are you familiar with Glennon Doyle Mm -hmm. and her work yeah so I, I was listening to one of her podcast episodes with her and Abby, and then they do it also with Glennon's sister. And they, Abby and Glennon were talking about like when they first realized that they were lesbian. And then the, the interesting part to me was when Glennon's sister, they were like, well, when did you realize you were straight? Because <laughs> that's not a question people get asked. And this was yeah. such an interesting, this was such an interesting conversation because she said, I think she was like in fifth grade and there was this cute boy and and she said I feel a little bit cheated though because heterosexuality is so the norm and like expected that it was kind of like okay I checked the box now I can move on with my life instead of really like examining my sexuality and exploring that part of my life she said they told this funny story about Glennon and Abby's family went to the the immersive Van Gogh art museum that's been touring around And they went in and saw this art and they sat down on this bench and just kind of watched the art and and then left and thought, okay, that was cool. That was okay, but it wasn't as cool as they expected it to be. And then after they left, they found out that they had been sitting in the lobby (laughs) and they never actually went into the real part of the museum. And, And Glennon's sister's like, sometimes I wonder if that's what I did. Like, what if I just checked off the lobby box and there's this whole other world 
that I didn't even get to explore. And I relate with that because I'm like a happily married to a man, woman, but I didn't have permission to explore any of that before I got married. And and now I'm a little bit like jealous of people that got to explore this because I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'm bi, I don't know. And I don't really have the permission <laughs> to explore that anymore. But I think it's really cool that our society and culture and like even within Utah, to mm-hmm. a large extent, is so much more accepting of this. And I bet you get to see so much of this within Circle and with your work as a transition hairstylist. You're like right in the middle of watching all of this cool change. Yeah, it's, it's, ama- it's amazing. And to see like, yeah, permission and curiosity and to like not just do the status, status quo, like checklist, like married, check, kids, check, house, check, 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 check. Like people to like slow down and realize that they are important and to discover what that is to take the time to have a relationship with yourself like I didn't learn that the importance of having a relationship with myself till like my third but that I'm I'm thankful that I'm learning it now but like what makes me tick (laughs) what makes me me what intrigues me where do I like to spend my time where do I like to spend me and how do I take myself on dates? Like when I'm wanting external like comfort to make sure that I'm like getting it from me as well before I just like want it externally. And I don't think that's talked about enough. And then I think that goes hand in hand with exploring your sexuality or your identity is having a relationship with yourself. And I don't think the importance of that is talked about because it's so like okay you're going to school you graduate high school and then you get married and you have babies not all cultures but here in Utah that's like the norm and so it's really cool to see people stepping back and not just going around not just living their life to the narrative of the generations before yeah I've stepped into that kind of uh, headspace so much with this podcast and it's cool to see all kinds of people realizing like oh I don't have to do it this this way and as I've been doing the podcast I've realized like this is kind of me putting my middle finger up to the patriarchy <laughs> because like I think my definition of of patriarchy is what you've been talking about is these check boxes. I don't think it's necessarily yeah. like straight white men are the patriarchy. I think I think mm-hmm. what the I think what patriarchy is is like this is the right way to to live your life and anything mm-hmm. outside of these boxes is not okay. And so mm-hmm. yeah, my goal with this podcast is to be like yes it is. <laughs> Whatever is <laughs> like feels true to you, that's okay. You don't have to fit these boxes. Yeah, and I think that comes down to, like, also emotional intelligence and how you gain more emotional intelligence is by experiencing culture. And other cultures do other things completely different. And to realize, like, yeah, there's more ways to live (laughs) outside of that box. Like, that box doesn't work for everybody. Like, it's worked. You did it. But that doesn't mean that that same shoe fits me. Yeah, and I think the biggest problem comes in is when we attach morality to the mm-hmm. box, right? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. You're yes. only a good, worthy person 
if you can live inside this box and if you can't live inside this box, then, you know, attach whatever label, like you're weird, Mm -hmm. you're a freak, you're evil, Mm -hmm. you're sinful, you don't care about your family or I don't know, whatever. Mm -hmm. We like to attach these labels to people because they don't want to fit, they don't fit in the box, Mm -hmm. which I think is, is detrimental to everybody. Mm -hmm. Men, women, all races, like we shouldn't have to all fit this one predetermined box. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, you say you do transition haircuts for more than just people who are doing queer transitions. You mentioned a few other things. I want to know more about that. Uh, So I don't know. I get to be a part of like big moments, like people getting ready to have babies and they're like, okay, I want my hair done because this is the last time I'm going to be able to like self-care for a minute because I'm going to be mom (laughs) and or like graduation and like those are big moments like you're graduating from one part of your life to another part like I get to be a part of birthdays weddings I get to be a part of celebrating so many parts of life and then I get to watch people grow I get to be a part of life stories when they're coming to me every six weeks or however many times of the year I get to do like back to school haircuts and I just get to watch these little ones grow. Like I have a client, I've been cutting his hair since he was in a booster. Like I had to set him in a booster and pull out all the tricks. Like this is magic spray and it makes you like invincible and da, 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 da. And now he's taller than me. And just to watch humans grow and to be a part of their lives and be a part of these like amazing moments. And I'm just like, I don't know, just to sit back and recognize how many lives I get to be a part of. It's really cool. I've never had a desire to cut hair before, but you make it sound like such a party. (laughs) It is such a party. Like, it's physical. We're standing all day. We're, like, constantly, like, going and, like, oh, wait, did I eat? (laughs) I just barely cut hair for six hours straight. Do I? Am I still a human? But it's like you get so wrapped up and it's just so like I love getting lost in my work and I am trying to set healthier boundaries with myself and my schedule because I'm realizing that like just because I love it doesn't mean I have to do it all day every day. (laughs) That I need space to connect outside of the chair, but it's just that's, that's my world. It's my home. That's where I thrive. It's so cool to find people who have like found their calling and yeah, just, you're just lit up about it. (laughs) I get that when you talk about needing to set boundaries, like I have three little kids and Mm -hmm. I've now found this podcast and my poor kids, people be like, where's your mom? They're like, she's podcasting. (laughs) Just like you, I'm like, I just love it. But, but boundaries are so important too, because there's like all these parts of our lives. I need a lot of solitude that sometimes I don't take the time for. Yeah, boundaries are important, but that's awesome. You found something that lights you up so much and you're so good at it. I follow you on Instagram now and (laughs) just beautiful work. So I guess, first of all, where can people find you? So I mostly on Instagram, just Andrea Neely. And that's, I think, the easiest way to contact me, see my work, see what I'm about. And then I work downtown at the Desert Lounge. And 
I'm there Monday through Thursday because I'm working on those boundaries. <laughs> and yeah, so mostly on Instagram is the easiest place to find me. And then if you have one takeaway from everything, what would that be for our listeners today? Spend more time self-caring. Set aside moments to spend time with you and to discover who you are because it's important. Having a relationship with yourself and then sharing that with the world, but taking those moments, whether it's like five more seconds to rub your favorite skincare lotion on or taking more time to watch your hair in the shower or just recognizing where you get to spend time self-caring. Come befriend your body, shed sexual shame, and claim your power as a sensual being at the Reclaiming Female Sexuality Retreat, a four-day, all-inclusive retreat where you'll heal old wounds and level up your confidence with sex therapist Natasha Helfer, myself, and a hand-selected group of clinicians who are all about empowering women. Check it out on justbeyourbadself.com by clicking the tab that says, come to our next retreat. Be sure to register by April 15th to get access to special bonuses and classes that I promise you are not going to want to miss out on. Thanks for listening today. Remember, you are enough right now in this moment. That's it from me. Now, just be your bad self.